What you're about to hear is a portion of this week's Pod Dylan, the full version of which is now available only to FM Plus subscribers. Please enjoy this sample. For just a few dollars a month, FM Plus subscribers get all of our full episodes, bonus episodes, plus full archives from every show in the FM Podcast Network. Subscribing makes all of these great shows possible. You can sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Fat man looking in a blade of steel. Thin man looking at his last meal. Hollow man looking in a cotton field for dignity. This is Pod Dylan that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, of Free Wheelin' Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about dignity is fellow Bobcat, Sabrina Erfan. Hi, Sabrina. Hi. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. So let's start at the beginning, Sabrina. How did you become a fan of Bob? So I became a fan of Bob Dylan when I was around 16 years old. I don't remember where I heard of him or how I heard of him, because I know a lot of people like they get introduced to Bob Dylan through their parents. Well, my parents are from Pakistan and we didn't really grow up with English music. I didn't start really listening to English music until like um, we started watching MTV. So that's kind of how I got into <laughs> music in English. So um, I don't really remember where I heard Bob, but I do remember posting something somewhere that said, what Bob Dylan song do you recommend? And somebody said, Like a Rolling Stone, which to me, looking back, probably isn't the best song to introduce because I think you need to listen to some of his earlier stuff first. But so I listened to it and I said, oh, this is okay. All right. Um, but then I went back and listened to other things like Blown in the Wind and Masters of War and uh, Times Are Changing. So then I started getting more and more into him. The, it's interesting. You say Like a Rolling Stone, you don't think it's a great necessarily introduction to him. Why, why would that be? Because, I mean, of course, a lot of people consider it his, his greatest song. I think so now, as I said, English songs were like fairly still kind of new to me. So maybe that might have been it. I just felt like it didn't hit me now I love it but like I just felt like I didn't quite understand and that might have been like a cultural thing I didn't quite get it at first and then so I started listening to more and more music from the 60s and 70s and more Bob Dylan and then I understood it I think initially just didn't and I think songs like Blown in the Wind are just so simple and powerful that no matter what your background is it get you get it right it, you it immediately immediately hits you so yeah Okay, right, right, because the the language is much more, as you say, simple and direct, as opposed to Siamese cat sitting on your shoulder kind of thing. So, <laughs> and if you're trying to understand English, that makes that makes total sense. Well, I guess I was trying to understand like songs in English, kind of like mm-hmm. I spoke English very well, but like I said, I didn't necessarily grow up on English music. It wasn't gotcha. until like I started watching MTV when I was like 13, 12 years old, and then MTV is like mostly pop music at that time. It was like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, and Britney Spears. So it wasn't music like Bob's doing on MTV. So <laughs> it was totally new for me. And at that time, I didn't hear the Rolling Stones yet. I didn't hear Jimi Hendrix yet. So it was all, I didn't hear the Beatles yet. So it was all very new. So here I am hearing this like a Rolling Stone. And I'm just like, huh, interesting. I didn't read it. I just thought, I don't know what's going on in the song. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that happens to me all the time. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've been listening to Bob for 30 years and I'm still like, wait, what? Uh, it's a very different MTV 
to think to, to think that you know in the 80s they played bob dylan not that much but yeah. they did you know but by the time you're getting to it and it's britney spears it's like yeah they they threw the bob dylan videos in the trash i'm sure at that point they're no, like we're never gonna play like, these again so christina aguilera britney spears um you know, and sing Backstreet Boys. Those were the big things when I was like 12, 13 years old. So <laughs> far cry from Bob Dylan. <laughs> Did you have any friends that, that were into this like you or were you kind of all by yourself here? Oh, God, I've been all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned some of the, the bigger. Did you go out and get albums or were you buy, downloading songs kind of piecemeal? Like how did it how did the, the beginning of the fandom sort of take form? I was a poor teenager. <laughs> and I was also really into movies, so I had to make a choice. So whenever my dad gave me any money, I would go buy a movie. So I really was just online. I listened, just downloaded. Um, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I listened online, I loved listening to the albums from like start to finish. And then, you know, stuff like Spotify came along and Apple Music and YouTube. So you can like, you know, listen to the albums. No, I, I, I did listen to a albums i liked that a lot i didn't really start buying until about three years ago that's when i could start buying music um, so that's when i could afford to buy vinyls and cds and things like that <laughs> so <laughs> it's taking me a while to grow up <laughs> have you have you had a chance to see him live yet no so i wanted to see him in the fall but i'm not quite sure because he's not coming to florida and logistically i'm not quite sure if i'll be able to go somewhere to see him so that's sad, but we'll see what happens. You have that to look forward to. It's it's always it's always an amazing thing to go to your first Bob Dylan concert. So right, yeah, that'll be really cool. So all right, well, very very cool. So I mentioned the top. We're here to talk about dignity, which is I'd put it in one of my probably top twenty five Dylan songs of all time. We've talked about it once before on the show. That was a bunch of years ago, but I've always loved the song from the first moment I heard it. I remember the first. I remember where I was when I heard it. Uh, but why did you want to talk about it, Sabrina? Um, so I love Dignity as well. And I am kind of obsessed with um, unreleased Bob Dylan music from the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. It drives me crazy that the song wasn't on the album Oh Mercy and Series of Dreams. It's definitely probably in my top 20 as well. I love the imagery in the song. And I also think that the song, it kind of harkens back to his 60s. Some of his 60s songs were like the way he sings it is very direct, you know what I mean? So I think that somebody that um, is not as familiar with Bob Dylan's later work is more familiar with the 60s. I think this is one of those songs you can kind of introduce them to, to kind of get a, get them into 80s music. I, I would agree. It's catchy as hell, I think. Right, I think it's right. part of it, you know? Um, right. I I mentioned this in the episode that we did, again, like six years ago at this point, but I, I remember... Uh, when this this came out, of course, uh, first officially came out on Greatest Hits Volume 3, which was released in 1984. Mm-hmm. And so that's just pre-internet, basically, for, right. for normal people. And and I had no word that there was going to be... I, had, I knew that there was a Greatest Hits record coming out. I was, of course, going to buy it, even though I had all the material, because I didn't know there mm-hmm. was a, a new song on it. And then I remembered I'm driving in a car with uh, one of my pals... And back, him and I had an apartment together, and and he said to me, "Oh, have you heard the new Bob Dylan song?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, and he goes, "I heard it on the radio," and I'm like, "No, you did. There's no Bob Dylan. Song. What are you talking? You know?" And I just thought he was, I he's he was not a 
obsessive nerd like I was about it. Right. So I assumed, oh, he heard an older song and he thought it was new. And and so I just kind of dismissed him. And then we kept driving. And then we hear the it, it kicks in that amazing you know drum. Ba-dum, ba-dum, and he goes, this is it. This is it. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I sat there. We drove around and the, you know, the song is about five and a half minutes long, six minutes long. And the whole time I just was like, what am I hearing? I couldn't, I was like, this is the most right. amazing thing I've ever uh-huh. heard. And I've never gotten, gotten off the song since that moment. I've always found this to be just really one of his most captivating songs. And as you say, I, I mean, yes, this version that we're all familiar with. From greatest hits was never going to be on Oh Mercy because this was worked on later. But it right. is such a tragedy that that this didn't make it onto Oh Mercy because man, what a song! Yeah, and I was reading if you read the Bob Dylan biography Chronicles Volume mm-hmm. One, he does talk extensively about the recording of the song. He initially recorded it; he thought it was a very simple version. He thought it worked, but then the uh, producer, uh, his name is Lanos, right? Is that Daniel Lanois? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he came around, he brought a band in, and they, and he, they just kept recording. I think they recorded like 20 takes of the song, and that just, <laughs> Dylan just wasn't satisfied with it. And they just, they just moved on. And I just, ugh, every time I read that passage, I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's it really is heartbreaking. The the quote from it is is amazing, where he says because he re- said he records it as a this solo piano thing. First of all, there was the demo, the yeah. piano demo, which is on Telltale Signs, right. and then he records the band version with these two musicians, Brian Stoltz and Willie Green. And that, mm-hmm. that, that has a ton of alternate lyrics, which we will talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. And it's got this kind of loping sound to it. And then he brings it to Lenoir and Lenoir brings in a Cajun band to play, to play right. on it. And as you say, they do like 20 takes. Nobody's happy with any of them. And Dylan's quote from Chronicles is, whatever promise Dan had seen in the song was beaten into a bloody mess. Where we started from, we'd never gotten back to it. A fishing expedition gone nowhere. In no take did we ever turn back the clock. We just kept winding it. Every take was another ball of confusion. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Now, I want to hear... The twenty Cajun takes. I mean, they might not be good, <laughs> but I want to hear them. Um, so, oh, by, by the way, there's another detail from the Wikipedia page on this song, which says eventually the group gave up and began playing old standards like Jambalaya, Your Cheating Heart, and There Stands the Glass. That's another. Where's that stuff, everybody? Come on, Sony. I want to hear we all need, these things too. We need another bootleg. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it is, it's such a tragedy that, and you know, you're getting from those Chronicles quotes, you're getting an insight as to kind of what it must be like to work with this guy and that he brings this thing to you that he thought is pretty complete. And then you as the producer say, I think we could do something different with it. And he just destroyed, he just destroyed Dylan's enthusiasm for the song. Now, I know they really clashed those two, right? They Based did. Based on what I've read about those two. <laughs> they did. Threw things at each other, you know, and yet they worked together again 20 years later, which is, or 10 years later, which is right. really funny. But it's, it's interesting how even this far into Dylan's career, he's kind of very fragile. Cause I mean, I, I read Dylan, I read this quote and I understand it, what he's saying, but I'm also kind of like, well, if you liked the first version, 
Exactly. Just go back to it. Why is the first version thrown away just because the subsequent versions aren't any good? Bob Dylan in the 80s is so frustrating. I mean, I understand, but he was just so, I just felt like he was more insecure. You know, he just couldn't, like, he didn't include Blind Willie McTell on an mm-hmm. album, Series of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Drives me crazy. <laughs> I mentioned earlier, a couple of episodes ago, when we did the Blind Willie McTell show about uh, about how Blind Willie McTell and Series of Dreams, which, as everyone knows, is my all-time favorite Dylan song, is are the only two songs really that Bob has ever allowed has has kind of like put back into his repertoire after mm-hmm. a bootleg series release. But I forgot there's this dignity as well because of course this song is is as you say done for oh mercy it's rejected but then just a couple years later he obviously allows uh, producer Brendan O'Brien to come in and mm-hmm. revamp it and put it on great assist and not just revamp it. I mean he did it in a, he he Put, he did something to it that, that Dylan is almost complete, almost completely alien to Dylan's working methods, which is he takes everything out except for Dylan's vocal. He takes out the piano, which is really mm-hmm. the, the engine of the song. He takes that out and brings in all new musicians to play over it, which means they are playing completely separately to Dylan's yeah. vocal. And that is just so not the way he records. And yet as a one-off, I just thought it works so well. I mean, I, I just find this song again, th- like you say, I think like this would be a song that you, if you want to introduce somebody to Bob Dylan, this would be one you could play them because it's absolutely, it's so a nice catchy. guitar solo in it too. The guitar solo is really cool in it. Like I listen to it so many times and it never gets old. And then it's weird also, he then plays it on MTV Unplugged. Right. <laughs> and so he brought the song back into, into, you know, to everyone. So I just thought that was interesting. A song that got rejected, but then he himself brings it back. Yeah, I think he realizes like, oh, geez, you know, wait a minute. There was something here. Um, I remembered, I think it was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, my local paper, when mm-hmm. they reviewed Greatest Hits Volume 3, back when they used to, you know, read newspapers, uh, <laughs> A, still existed, and B, did record reviews. But they, they did a little blurb review of Greatest Hits Volume 3, and they referred to the song as a lightning bolt of classic Dylan. And right. I always, I, that phrase really, I always thought was very evocative to me, a lightning bolt. Cause to me, that is kind of what this song is with this, the yeah. immediate, you know, kick in. And then you're, you're just met with this torrent of imagery that is again, like in so many of his best songs, you're trying to kind of keep up with. I'm like, what exactly is going on here? But it's everything is each line is sort of more evocative than the next. And it's. As you said, the, the the performance by the band is so powerful, and you've got these real. I'm not a fan of guitar solos generally, but these mm. guitar solos are really terrific. And the one at the end sounds like um like the ride of the Valkyries or something. It just soars, yeah, yeah. and it you're just like, wow, this thing is like a little masterpiece. It really is. Dylan, Dylan had no involvement in that version. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it is really, really good. I do love the piano demo as well. That I, you know, I recommend everybody listen to all the versions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually have a little playlist on Apple Music of all the different versions. That's how that's how obsessed I am. <laughs> well, it helps that the, the alternate versions have so many different words to it, because then you really yeah. are kind of getting a very, very different song. And again, we'll, we'll talk about those shortly, but I do want to, we should start at the, the sort of officially released version in your mind, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you even have something in your head, 
what is happening in this song? What is going on in Dignity? In my opinion, like you can bring your own interpretation to any song, but especially sure. a Bob Dylan song. So to me, it seems like, you know, for some reason, it also kind of reminds me of the song, um, Bob Dylan song, Gotta Serve Somebody, kind of where he's like talking about how, yeah, you can uh, be successful and rich and you can, you know, create wealth through all, all means, you know, but you still have to answer to God about it. And it kind of like reminds me of that because it, it just talks about how, you know, you're searching for a, a purpose in life, a meaning in life, and you can go through all these different uh, avenues, but um, whether you ever really find it, you is, you know, it, you're not really sure, you know, you just keep searching for dignity, you know? And I think that's what it talks about, but also I think it talks about maybe consumerism in the eighties. It kind of goes sort of like that. And it also mentions how um, somebody gets killed on in, on New Year's Eve. Someone gets murdered. Uh, <laughs> somebody said dignity was the first to leave. I went into the city, went into the town, went into the land of the midnight sun. Um, so I think it, and then it also talks about um, asking the cops wherever I go, have you seen dignity? So I, I think it, it sort of talks about that as well. If you, I mean, on on first blush, I mean, you're like, is dignity a person? But then right. you realize like, no, okay, no, it's not, it's, it's not, it's a, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's this elusive thing that the narrator is trying right. to find. I love that, that there, I mean, somebody got murdered on New Year's Eve. Dignity being the first to leave is just, again, such a great turn of phrase. That line is just, I always go back to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I love that he is. Ser- searching with like authority figures to this, like right. he's talking to cops, you know, he's going to different kinds of people and asking them if they have found dignity. And it's like, no, no, you're not looking for it. So it's this elusive thing that everybody is trying to find. Right. And then of course he brings in this wedding of Mary Lou. I don't want to see anybody talking to you said she could get killed if she told me what she knew about dignity. So now we've got, the narrator is a little bit of a detective. Like they, yeah. he's on the search for dignity, but he can't be, t- you know, other people kind of know about it. But if they tell him, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's just, you're just like, what, you know, it's all these sort of half formed, like, what? Wait a minute. What exactly this? Okay. And now we're on to, uh, and it, it, and because the song is rolling along so fast, you don't have a chance to kind of like unpack it all until you go right. back and play it again. He also mentioning authority figures. He mentions like met Prince Philip at the home of the blues. That one right. was, is he actually talking about Prince Philip? <laughs> <laughs> and the home of the blues, like what is, what even is that? There's, right. there's, there's the house of blues. Those, those, those chain restaurants. <laughs> I highly doubt Bob's talking about that, but it's like, no, all right, the home of the blues. Like, okay. And again, you know, we st- did the drinking man listening to a voice he hears in a crowded room full of covered up mirrors. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know that that's like a practice uh, when people sit Shiva is mm-hmm. to cover up the mirrors because you're not supposed to be worrying about your vanity while you're right. mourning the death of someone. And, you know, and so that feels like, okay, there's a, there's some sort of, you know, religious uh, event kind of going on here. But then again, you mentioned right after that, it's the Prince Philip said to give me information. If his name wasn't used again, we're talking about like, is this guy a reporter? Is this guy a detective who is trying to find dignity? Right. Is that what's, you know, is that what's happening here? Yeah, it just seems like he's on a constant search and he's not able to find it. 
And one another line that's interesting, someone showed me a picture and I just laughed, Dig- dignity never been photographed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again, I love that. Again, could sort of be a person, perhaps. And yeah. be, I mean, their name's not dignity, but it's the concept or something like that. But I like the idea that this person who so- shows him the photograph is trying to throw him off the trail a little by saying, oh, this is dignity. And this guy knows... No, there's no, there's no way you can photograph dignity. So I know that that's not what it is. It's a, that that's a red herring, uh, right. which I I love. And then I also I love the internal um, rhyme schemes of this thing. I love when Bob does internal rhymes where it's they got no place to fade, got no coat. I'm on the river in a jerking boat trying to read a note mm-hmm. somebody wrote. I mean, a coat, boat, note, wrote. Like you're just <laughs> you're just like being thrown all these things at us bob rhymes words that you never think could rhyme but Mm -hmm. like he's able to do it (laughs) and then the um the next verse when he says sick man looking for a doctor's cure i'm looking at his hands for the lines that were and into every masterpiece of literature for dignity which that's another one where i'm like that could be a Bob talking about himself. He's looking for, or people are looking in a, in a, into looking for dignity in in his songs. You know, every every song is a masterpiece of literature. This kind of like grandiose statement about your own work or someone else's work, and kind of puffing it up a little. I mean, it's a masterpiece of literature. Thanks for listening to this part of the episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM Plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows. Sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com.